Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Jess Phillips, and welcome back to Yours Sincerely. Now, most of you might know I'm an MP in Birmingham, but what you might not know is that I've always been a prolific letter writer and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Freddie McConnell is a writer and journalist. He identifies as a queer, transgender man and describes himself as a solo dad by choice. Freddie shared his experience of pregnancy in the Biffa-nominated BBC documentary Seahorse, The Dad Who Gave Birth. Freddie is an LGBTQ community advocate who fights for the rights of trans people and their families. Today I'm excited to talk to Freddie about the letters he would send to three people who mean the world to him. So, hello, Freddie. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. You've come from Deal? I have, yeah. Trendy Deal. So, this podcast is all about letter writing. How old are you, Freddie? (laughs) I'm 36. 36, okay. So, quite old. Well, you're on the right side of remembering that letters existed, Mm -hmm. other than from the bank or EE telling you about your mobile phone. I got really chuffed this week. I got, like, a handwritten letter that came through the post, and I was really excited, but it was just an invoice that my husband had failed to pay (laughs) three times. It had been sent to him on uh, email, so they had written me a lovely handwritten note. I got really chuffed, but it it was it was just money I owe the plumber. (laughs) That's a downer. Yes, a real downer. (laughs) Were you much of a letter writer? I was. I really was. Yeah, and um, postcards. And as I was looking for some stuff to sort of bring up and uh, talk about, I found even sort of emails that my grandma had printed out. That I'd sent to her oh. that really, you know, like, that are really long and like letters. So, yeah, all of it. My... That's gone now, though, even. I remember when mm. email first existed, when I was what, like, I remember my mate Helen went to live in China, and I think that's the first email. She was a year older than me, she was 18. So, when I was about 17, so you're talking 1998, mm-hmm. like, we definitely used to email each other. Yeah. But we didn't just email like I email people now. No, it, it was, was like proper. proper. Yeah. It was like proper big, like life yeah. stuff emails. And now, if people send me those emails, I just delete them. Yeah. I'm not interested. <laughs> and mine always start with, like, oh, sorry, it's taken me so long to get to this. Because, you know, it was such a big thing that you kind of had to build up to. And yeah. I haven't bought any of those because they are incredibly cringe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All letters written by oh, your younger self. As a teenager. Self. Oh, Teenagers so are twats. Bad. I mean, I yep. feel confident in, as the mother of two, yeah. uh, of saying that they feel like they 
know everything. They know precious little, and yeah. their insights are unoriginal. And they're even worse when they are teenagers, and they say that teenagers are twats, as if they're not also twat teenagers. <laughs> this is that the kind of thing I would do. Oh, I'm really not happy about having to revisit those today. <laughs> the only thing worse than embarrassment, I think, is secondary embarrassment. They're, yeah. they're both the same. <laughs> and you're now got secondary embarrassment for your younger self. Yeah, the exactly. Worst exactly. emotion ever. Oh. <laughs> Cringing, like waking up, like going, oh, yeah. in the middle of the night is the worst. No, absolutely. But I mean, most of the things I've got are thankfully hidden away at the moment because we just moved. So I just couldn't find these things that I have. But I did. So my mum dug out a bunch of cards that I'd sent her. I bought one of them with me, actually. Oh, my God, look at this. Pile. You've got a treasure well, trove. Because what I've realised now, I don't know if this is a thing that everyone does, but we're real postcard writers in, oh, yeah. in my family. Well, we used to be. So I made that for my mum. I think it's a Mother's Day thing. This is very of its time <laughs> to describe to the listener. Uh, it's a mixture. Of, it's a collage. Mm. Collaging was very big. It's like a ransom note, it, but with Eddie Redmayne it, on it. It definitely has <laughs> elements of I'm going to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely got, yes, a slight element of, I don't want to be traceable. Yeah. It's, and then oh, the way no. I signed it, oh my God. I've, so I've crossed so out the, the it. letter. So explain it, it says happy birthday, lots oh, of love. Oh, it's a happy birthday, yeah. And then it says, it's got a plaster. It's got a plaster stuck inside it, because, you know, <laughs> Why random, hilarious teenager. So I've crossed out the letter, because that's the first letter of my old name. Okay, but right. But it basically, oh my God. I don't know if I can... Just <laughs> you can't even bet to no, say it. No, can you please, can you please? It says like, something money. Like, like I've called myself uh, money. Yeah, like, oh. so like if I were to call myself Jay Money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was... What, what year was this? I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I it's, mean, I was maybe like that is deeply, 15. That is deeply embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> to be in my favour. It's also, I want to say, it's written in what I believe is called glitter glue. Yeah, very pleased with that. Also, um, I feel that here, in fact, it is... What it's the background to this area oh, oh is a no. foreign banknote. Do you know what that means? That I was probably quite a bit older. A lot of work has gone into this <laughs> card to your mom. I hope she really appreciated it. Yeah, she did. Well, I think it's like. Well, she kept it. She kept it. Well, I, she keeps everything oh, of this kind, like yeah, oh. because we're just a, less, a family of lesser writers. But that was instead of drawing something. Because I think actually in her heart of hearts, she still wished that I drew her cards <laughs> now and then and forever. Like you know. Massive guilt trips. Um, so yeah. that probably felt like a bit of a cop-out I don't keep anything oh, really? that my children <laughs> have made me. I mean, maybe I, I do, got... maybe I do, but maybe because I only keep the stuff that's of a high standard and I think <laughs> I keep that out. Oh my God. The amount of crap I used oh, to think, okay. oh, I used to want them at primary school. I used to think, use your own bin. <laughs> Why are you giving it to me to throw in my bin? Isn't I mean, this is a terrible... Wow. My, my children aren't terribly maladjusted. No, your, your mum... Clearly loves yeah. you more than I love. She kept my all my children. old baby clothes, which now my kids are wearing. So oh, yeah, that she's, is that, so that lovely. Amazing. My husband's mum kept like just some choice toys, mm. and it's so lovely that we have them because we have like yeah. a speaking spell. Oh, amazing! Do you know a speaking spell only has sixty words in it? I thought it had all the words, but it's just literally apple. Um, (laughs) That is all the words when you're five. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, apple, dog. (laughs) We play with the speaking spell a lot. Well, so I can see that your family are keeping a treasure trove Mm. of uh, written materials. This is better than anyone else has ever brought on here as well. Oh, I'm glad. There you go. Uh, I mean, most people don't have quite such good literature. The cringe is worth Um, it. So do you have like a letter of note at all? Like getting a job or something that you kept? Um, we don't do that via letter anymore, though, no, do we? No, I suppose getting my job 
at the Guardian, which was actually like a place on a trainee scheme, which was mm-hmm. quite unusual at that time because all that was kind of ancient history, I suppose, in the sort of early 2010s. Yeah. I got a letter about that. That was pretty amazing, which I still have. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. I mean, you know, typed up, you know, not particularly. Oh, um, yeah. But with the old Guardian branding, which is quite sweet. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was huge, getting that. I, I had sort of recently started my transition. Yeah, you know, years contract at the Guardian. I had no journalism qualifications. So that was kind of the point of the scheme was to bring in people that didn't have formal journalism training. And yeah, a year of training in-house. It was amazing. Mm, do they still yeah. do that? No, sadly. Yeah, yeah. I think it was meant to be a new thing that would go every year, but I think it happened for one year. It was just us. Basically, yeah. it was 10 of us that got brought in. So I've asked you to think about three different people you'd want to write a letter to. So the first one is somebody who means the world to you. So Mm. who would that be? Well, I've chosen to talk about my nan. And I just want to add a quick disclaimer that obviously I could have talked about my mum, but I feel like I've talked about her quite a lot publicly and I hope she doesn't take offence. But Can I I just say, I love everybody who doesn't pick their mother. (laughs) Says this. People don't give a shit about their life partners, I've noticed. (laughs) Everybody whose sure. mother is still alive who mm. doesn't pick their mother feels they need to yes. have an explainer why they didn't pick <laughs> their mother. So you're in good well, you company. Go. Yeah. yeah. So your nan. Yeah. What's your nan's name? She's still alive. Um, her name is Anne. Anne. Well, that's, yeah. Nan, Anne. Well, she's known as Nanny Anne to my kids. N- N- just to differentiate her because, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. grandma. Nana, all these... Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids had two nans because they both wanted to be nan and it was confusing. And then No one wants to be nan anymore. You see, both my mum and my husband's mum wanted to be nan because it's the working class way of saying it. Yeah. Um, But my mum was then worried that she would be fat nan because she was fat. (laughs) (laughs) She was really worried about how they were going to differentiate. That's a name, though. Fat nan, yeah. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) Embrace it. Fat nan. But... um, they just called her Nanny Jane, so Aww, it didn't make any cool. difference. So Nanny Anne, so yeah. what, what is it about Nanny Nan. Anne that you... Oh, she's just an all-round legend. She's had a very interesting life and is now... I don't know, but you wouldn't know that about her to meet her. Mm. She's very sweet and loving and unassuming, never asks for anything, you know, which obviously makes you want to just do all the more for her and hang out with her. And she... Yeah, she's just not in any kind of massive obvious way but because of her lack of judgment and her open-mindedness has been consistently supportive to me through transitioning and my career and all sorts of things like nowadays people Mm. uh, i'm gonna say our age like we're the same age even though i am (laughs) six years older than you okay uh, (laughs) and have adult children and so feel ancient but um as a child bride the um like the generation above us you sort of boomers your baby boomers Mm. There was, you know, the sort of liberation of the 1960s. And and there's a sort of expectation, I think, certainly, of that generation being considerably better than previously. But Mm. in grandparents, I think that there is still, like, you know, this sort of expectation that people hide their lives from... Because you only see them once a year, and it's like, why upset Nan? Yeah. (laughs) Just to see her. And, uh, And actually, and what I'm thinking about in my head is just being gay actually mm, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's considerably harder to hide <laughs> <A> <laughs> yeah transition yeah yeah, yeah that, that would have been yeah it would have yeah. been trickier to hide but I, I imagine there's grandparents 
uh, across the country dealing with all sorts of modernity in their grandchildren mm. that they are finding a struggle. My dad had to mm. have my son explain to him what pants it. Pansexual one, <laughs> which was the funniest exchange I've ever heard yeah, in my entire imagine. life. He was like, I don't care, I just don't know what it right. is. He was like, you, you know, people do whatever they want, but I just don't know what it is. Can somebody just explain <laughs> Your it? Your dad to must me? be like keeping up with things if he's like, he's 80, my term. dad. So he yeah. listens to the wireless a lot. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think my nan is that engaged with things and isn't someone that I would necessarily have even massive heart-to-hearts with, or even... Uh, I remember feeling really bad, actually, because I didn't tell her that I was having a baby until quite late on. And this was kind of a watershed moment in our relationship, I suppose, even though it was very recent, and, you know, we've always been close. And I've always had trusted her not to be judgmental or, or scary in that kind of way. But being a trans man's one thing, but then, you know, having a baby is like, okay... You know, I was worried in general about people thinking... Well, it's that, a lot of moving parts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, <laughs> I was just terrified parts. of it being basically like the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, and, and suddenly I would discover that actually everyone who was supporting me was sort of, you know, just tolerating me and this would be... Uh, you know, these are all the kind of... Yeah, yeah but... So I've got, I'm anxious, you know, that's... that's well, anxiety idea. is irrational. Yeah, exactly. Uh, based sometimes in... Rationale. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Based in a great kernel of truth. Absolutely. So I just was like, well, I'll tell her when I need to tell her, like everyone else. And and when I did tell her, she was, you know, really happy. And we didn't, again, we didn't go into massive detail because, like, she's not, I don't want to portray her as like, right on or you know yeah. she's and this is just my family in general it's better that though like yeah right we on. don't ha- go into massive detail and that's not because i'm worried that she's you know secretly uh, a bigot at all it's just like we just don't and that's just not how we do in our family and it's very you know it's very english it's very sort of middle class blah blah but yes she was actually more upset she was just upset that i hadn't felt i could tell her and that to me was like oh i hadn't realized that's how you would feel i'm so sorry and i will never do that again and, yeah. I, and i can share more with you than i thought i could and she's just always been a very open-minded person and so and i think you know that hasn't changed with age and actually um some people in my family are definitely not so open-minded and are more right-wing and because she's not very loud and doesn't really speak up much i maybe never realized that about her but so it's not something yeah, it's just, just the way she is, and it hasn't changed with age. She's I, just who she is. I have to say, I think light touch, non-judgment, mm. is it's much harder to say, but it's much more pleasant <laughs> to be around. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know uh, she's always going to be there. It's not performative. It's not... Like, there is an element, I think, sometimes of... Like, my granddad was a complete and utter sort of egalitarian warrior right. and so he would like be overly nice to anybody from a protected characteristic oh to, to the point where you know I mean the man was born in like 1910 so yeah. I'm gonna cut him some slack sure. but he had to prove like he had mm. to be like nice to people in the street and it right. was just sort of like Aww. leave them the fuck alone <laughs> like, yeah whereas my mm. nan um who was a you know a sort of freedom fighter her whole life it was just sort of like a you do you. Mm. I'm going to make a fuss. You do you and I'll love you nonetheless. Yeah. And I worry in modern society, mm. it's all a bit performative and actually yeah. we need a little bit of quiet like, as long as you're happy, love. <laughs> I think that's Absolutely. the best. I think my, my nan wouldn't even go that far. Like She's just so sort of undemonstrative, which I think probably some people might find irritating even. <laughs> but I just love it. She's just, you know, we just go and have a nice time. And also, she's done amazing things. She's, you know, amazing woman, amazing person. And yet, you hardly know she was there, and that's not a good thing. I wish she wasn't like that. I wish she was more bigging herself up, because, of you know, she 
could have basically played tennis at the national level, international level. She could have gone to Wimbledon. This is what I heard. Not from her, but someone um, I yeah. remember once. And But it wasn't considered appropriate. So her dad was like, no, you're not doing that sort of thing. And she was like, okay. And then she went to Australia as a young woman with my grandpa and they went and ran a sort of humongous sheep farm ranch wow. thing before there was like helicopters and things to do that with. And then came back and was a piano teacher for years and just, just got on with stuff. And then, you know, and had difficult personal relationships, uh, but kind of just yeah got through them unscathed um and, and actually even though she's so unjudgmental has faced quite a lot, a lot of, judgment of judgment in her life which and but would never hold that against anyone no bitterness no nothing like she's just such a wonderful warm yeah. loving presence and yeah i haven't actually got it on me right now because it's broken because it, it was quite old and worn down but I, I usually wear a ring that used to be hers that she was given by her parents um which, yeah, is very important to me, and I feel weird not wearing it. But, yeah, I'm just glad I can do that. She's amazing. She's a matriarch in, in the best possible sense, and she wouldn't uh, agree with that, and she would uh, deny yeah, it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think often the brilliant women mm. often don't big themselves mm. up. My nan used to think that if you bragged about yourself... Mm that you would rise so high up that God would take you away. Like, literally, <laughs> like, it was like a genuine sort of almost Victorian fear. I mean, she'd lost some of her kids mm. and she felt that she'd lost them because she loved them too much and thought wow. and praised them too much. And, like, you know, like this idea that you just sort of quietly get on with things. This is a generational mm. thing where they don't even think that there's any point in saying it. Not, but not it's not even a thought process. Mm. It's just like... We are as we are, mm. <laughs> and that's oh, I'm just going to get through the day. And I really hope that I'm never going to be like that. I'm back with <laughs> a massive show off. But both my nan and my mum had that just sort of like quiet resilience and not mm. feeling like if you said, Oh, you've been through a lot, they'd be like, Well, that's an everyone, yeah, exactly. exactly <laughs> oh, that. everybody's yeah. got a cross to bear, love, yeah. Um, yeah. and that is to be cherished, yeah, that. absolutely. So, how would you sign off a letter to your nan? Nanny Anne. Nanny Anne. <laughs> I would say, we're not very good at saying it to each other, but I love you so much, and me and the kids are so lucky to have you. Love, Freddie. Oh. Yeah, because she's, yeah, my kids love her as well, and she knits jumpers for them. How many so, kids do you have? You Two. My second one is just like an angel baby who is so oh, chill. Oh, you see, and, the, yeah. totally the wrong way around, you see, because <laughs> I had one that slept, and then I had one right. that literally is a... Fucking nightmare. So, I I mean, if I'd had that one first, I'd have one. I definitely went into number two being like, this is it. You know, even two as a single parent, that's mad, right? I mean, I don't enjoy the process of having the babies and being pregnant. Because it's totally shit. It's (laughs) the worst. And, you know, as a trans man, it's particularly terrible in my experience. Although, actually, lots of trans men don't feel that way. But I just love being a full-time dad. How many trans men are there who've had babies in this country? Is there even data on that? Of course there isn't. Oh, is there? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. I, I realised I'm stumbling into a conversation where literally nobody collects I mean, any data. there could be. There could quite easily be. There is in Australia. There's no fucking data on anything. The government routinely does not collect data on sure. literally anything you would want I it know, to collect yeah. data on. It's very annoying. I mean, I'm going to say there are hundreds Oh, OK, country. OK, yeah, right, yeah. OK. But that's a mix of people who had babies before transitioning. Oh, yes, yes, after, yes. Oh, okay. Even someone like me wouldn't be counted in data, annoyingly, even though it would be so easy to. Australia gathered this data by accident um, <laughs> because of some quirk of their IT system. And in, like, a three-year period, something like 208 trans men gave birth in Australia. So that's Australia, which is obviously smaller. Yeah. Yeah, and a three-year period fairly recently. So, yeah, there's more more than you'd think. 
More than you yeah. think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But being pregnant is shit for everybody, in my view. Some people yeah. fucking love it, and I think they're lying. I know. Well, yeah, they must be, right? Like It's horrendous. Yeah. I tried to sort of just go I, with it the second time. I never but... once got that feeling, you know? Like, mm. I used to try really hard, put my hands on my tummy, and do yeah. like that sort of American rom-com <laughs> feeling that I was really happy, and that we were really connected. But I just thought, you're a parasite. Uh. <laughs> Oh, I used to like the kicks because it's like, okay, this is why I'm the doing this. The kicks is fine until yeah. it goes alien. Yeah. And then, then it's just freaky. <laughs> it's like literally like the whole body yeah. moving. That's so it's, weird. I kind of, I, I find it kind of amazing. Yeah. It, it, well, of course it is amazing and it's yeah. totally magical. And for people who can't do it, you know, I understand that it's like quite hard when people like me are like, Bleh! yeah. But like, I don't yeah. think, it's... I genuinely don't think that had I not carried my, in fact, I know, had mm. I not carried my children, I would still feel the same. I felt no connection with oh, yeah. them in utero, and I know that yeah. that wouldn't make a difference no, to me. For sure. And if anything, really, I'd love them slightly more. <laughs> <laughs> they hadn't ruined my the pelvic floor. Bastards. Yeah, yeah. The second person I asked you to think mm. about is somebody who's no longer with us. So who would that be? Well, uh, or who isn't in my life anymore. Yeah, you this... they don't have to be dead. Right, yeah. sure. Okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> this is a tricky, tricky one because um, I really debated about whether to even talk about this person because, I mean, not because I'm not going to identify them, but yeah, I just feel like I was totally a shit friend in some ways this person and it's a long time ago um and actually she has reached out more recently but like we you know lives have moved on yeah. and she lives far away now and there was such a big gap of not being in touch that you know she's definitely not really in my life in any meaningful way but i'm glad that we have made contact and mm -hmm. exchanged really sweet emails and you know yeah, so, so peace has been made. And I don't even know, actually, if this person knows that I feel this way um, or would so be aware. So she was your friend she was years my friend. ago. Yeah, when we were teenagers. When you were teenagers. Um, yeah. So she's a trans woman, I'm a trans man. When we were friends, I was a teenage girl and she was a teenage boy. Okay, how did your relationship pan out? Well, we... <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember how we met, but I think we must have been drawn to each other because... Yeah. of this yeah, thing. thing. But yeah. we didn't know that we shared that at all. Because... Did you even have the language for no, it back then? Did no, did not have the language yeah. for it. Didn't... I... We, neither of us identified as gay. Like, I... We didn't have the word queer. We both went to... Well, it was a bad word. Well... Was it even then? I mean, it, it was when I was a kid. No, it wasn't really even in use. Yeah, gay no. was a bad word. Ga gay oh, yeah, was the yeah, insult. Gay. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. And, and I was often... <laughs> what felt like accused of being a lesbian because I was very butch, you know, I was uh -huh. a tomboy, quote unquote. Yeah, and there were people who were like, it's such a weird thing to say, but like openly gay at my school, but mm -hmm. were like relentlessly bullied and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it was sort of a mark against them, I suppose. Yeah. And, and actually never really identified as openly gay, even though, you know, they you were. kind of knew. Yeah, it's so awful. But yeah, so, but we went to different schools actually. And became friends because of music, I think. And my other friend was putting together a band. And this friend of mine, who I'm going to call Sarah, okay. for the purposes of this, played bass. <laughs> yeah, I think we both played bass, actually. So I don't know how that worked in the band. But yeah, really bonded over music. We were just like desperately geeky and obsessed with music of various kinds. And that was how we identified ourselves, I suppose, and, and sort of connected. And, you know, as long as we had music, we could 
sort of escape the bullies and escape ourselves. And yeah, it was all kind of about that to begin with. And then I remember had tried a bit too much of this like horrible hash that someone mm. had bought to this party. And then Sarah turned up a bit later and um, I think could immediately tell that I was having a internal panic attack yeah. and no one else could. So she took me upstairs. I think the party was at my, I think my parents must've been away. This was at my house, not really a, just a small gathering of friends. But yeah, she took me upstairs and we sat down with our bass guitars or maybe there was just one. And she basically taught me this really complicated piece of music by a bassist called Jaco Pistorius, who's like, yeah, sort of jazz bassist, who's legendary, whose music I can no longer stand. But um, <laughs> yeah, and, and like the whole time, but it didn't refer to the fact that I was clearly freaking out or, yeah. or that anything had been taken. And, and then I think we went to bed and the next morning I could remember this whole thing. And again, I don't know if I've ever sort of told her how amazing that was, exactly what I needed. And without even having to say anything, you know, she kind of stepped up and um, guided me through like a bad trip, yeah. I suppose. And then at another point, she confided in me, actually, that she did feel there was something going on with her and that she'd actually really like to go and buy some hair products and maybe some makeup. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember this, I think this was at her parents' house and I remember her parents being very conventional mm -hmm. and straight-laced and never knew them properly because because of that kind mm -hmm. of barrier. They were just like parents. and So I think it took a lot for her to talk to me about that. And I guess like, you know, again, there was something that where we trusted each other, we were good friends. And, and I guess like I was gender non-conforming, even though I didn't have any other language for it. We didn't, didn't even have that. She didn't use the word trans. We didn't trans. say the word gender. There, we did, definitely didn't <laughs> use the word gender non-conforming, but that's kind of what we were. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, for, gender stereotype non-conforming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I often feel like that word is missing from the conversation when we're talking about gender. It's like, yeah, I mean, you, know, I've got you mean stereotypes, and short right? Hair. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I look back and I think, well, it was easy for me because I was a masculine girl. I was a butch girl. Mm. And that's not something you get massive flack for. No. You know, I did get bullied for sure. And I remember once going to a fancy dress party with this friend and I went as John Lennon. <laughs> and it was like, that was, you know, I, can, I, I really can see, loved that. I can see he was John Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and I was like, I was secretly loving it in a way that people didn't know because <laughs> this was all internal for yeah, me. Yeah. But at the same time, you know go to a party as a girl, as dressed as John Lennon, whatever, and no one's yeah. going to... But whereas my no friend, one's... Sarah, who was not at the time Sarah, but yeah. who was a boy, couldn't do that. So, and, and, and there would have been such higher penalty to pay if she'd been honest about how she felt with anyone else. And, you know... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I would never... And we did that, and we went and bought some stuff, and I remember, you know, trying to be supportive, but not really knowing. Because, yeah, you know, my only conception of anything like that then and hers as well, which I feel is so tragic now to think about. It was, you know, these horrific portrayals of what we would have probably termed like transvestites. Transvestites, yeah. Yeah, certainly like, you know, or men basically who were probably mentally ill. Like that's how we would have thought about them then. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how they were portrayed very openly. There was no trans male equivalent. So there was no... No, you're right. There's you know? no... Yeah, I can't so, like, think of it. That's yeah. how deep the kind of me not using that as also, an opportunity to sort of come out to him. It became to... sort of sexualised. The idea, I mean, yeah. obviously... percent oh, The idea of transvestites, mm. and, and I actually, funnily enough, growing up, I knew some men who were completely straight, 
but yeah. transvestite. Well, cross, people, cross-dressing is an identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and they used to give me boots when they were finished. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the upside. Yeah, yeah. But there were, like on television, there mm. were examples. That wasn't the same as... No. Uh, and also that I think that transvestite more, like that you might see around and about in a scene, there was an element mm. of it being sexualised. Sexualised, yeah. yeah, or comedic. And if you were, or for a kid... Then yeah, that's uh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, well, they're just it's like a pantomime dame, yeah. or it's I've got no problem with it or anything, like, no, no, but, not at all. I don't, but but, it's but not, they're it's all, not the same, yeah. no, exactly. It's all flattened out, and yeah, it's yeah, all, yeah, yeah, um, comedic, yeah. and you know, and yeah, and even like in between his movie had like a transphobic joke at the end of it, and now we've still got Mrs. Brown's boys, so this stuff still goes on, but just in terms of like, I didn't hear what my friend was saying and think, oh, that's like me, but the other way around because. Because I, there was just no... The way you cannot be what you cannot see. I know it's yeah, a cliche yeah. now, but like, it's just driven home to me how stark that reality was for me. Because, yeah. yeah, I didn't confide in my friend because I didn't know I could, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> the thing I then really struggle with is that we had a bit of a falling out a while later, maybe a year later. And I found a diary of mine a few years ago where I wrote some really mean things about my friend which obviously I've never told her about and, and had completely forgotten about, to be honest, and was absolutely disgusted with myself when I read it. But, you know, obviously also trying to have some grace for my younger self who didn't know better, basically. But, you know, well, I the, used... I tell you what, we need a whole lot more grace for young people <laughs> yeah. who don't know better yeah. in modern well, I'm, times. I'm just clearly a product of those times. Of course, of course you are. And, yeah, it's... Uh... Well, like, we all are like you know we're yeah. all a product of the times that we came from yeah and yeah absolutely you know but yeah try yeah. and have some grace don't judge yourself by your modern standards no no absolutely i you know it, it's just the kind of it just hurts that i used in a way even though it was privately i used yeah. that information that she shared with me to sort of discredit her in retrospect That's and all teenagers I do. know I know I know and in a way I now never I'm show a this. weakness as a teenager that's what I say to my kids <laughs> yeah don't tell him that it's pissing you off because he's just gonna use it against you true. you fool that's very true yeah god it's and now that I'm even saying this I'm like am I just doing this for to sort of my, my own benefit for kind of um absolution oh don't try and second guess it <laughs> you're yeah. all right well, I, I also suffer from anxiety. Don't, yeah, don't worry, yeah. you're fine. Well, there you go, there you go. But yeah, I mean, she she was a great friend, and we went through, you know, yeah, there was all sorts of stuff. Is um, she happy now? I, I'm I'm pretty sure she is. Like I said, we're not really in touch much, but yeah, she went on to do amazing things in her chosen field, and you know, and then and she came out and she transitioned, and yeah, that would never have been on our radar back then. I don't think maybe it was on hers, but we never talked about that and. You know, many, many I years passed. It's, it's like a sort yeah. of, like, modern day, like, you know, like when people, like, fall in love and then don't yeah. see each other for 40 years. Absolutely. It's a bit like, you know, yeah, like yeah. how you were both there. And you must have been drawn together, like, for that oh, reason. Yeah, yeah like, for sure. Yeah, I think she was always just a bit more emotionally intelligent than me and a bit more... Well, like, you really are booking the gender stereotypes. I know. There. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I oh. so know this. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> God, that's the one thing we've but got, there man. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it's, Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah. I just wish that I could have been there for her in, in the ways that she kind of was for me. And, and yeah, you know, to then learn that she actually got in touch with me partly because she'd seen, I don't know, maybe the film that I made about having a baby and obviously she transitioned. So she wanted to sort of let me know like, oh yeah, look, here we are. Isn't that amazing kind of thing? And you know, it is absolutely amazing. And yeah, I still, I still count her as a friend and maybe one day we'll go for a drink. And, Aww, but, you know, but yeah. How would you sign up a letter to Sarah then? So, well, kind of, kind of what I've already said. So I said, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't be the friend you needed when we were teenagers, when you had the courage to be so vulnerable with me. And thanks for being my queer role model before I even knew I needed one. Love, Freddie. Oh, there you go. That's, I mean, uh, yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Really? <laughs> I think it's like a, like, a sort of Shakespearean. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of... Uh... <laughs> a lot of backstabbing. <laughs> well, also, there was a lot of people mistakenly being dressed oh, up as yeah, somebody that's else true, that's true. Shakespeare. If we'd been at the same school in school plays back then, yeah, that I mean, would have who's... absolutely been, like, you know, she could have been the fucking nun in Sound of Music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been something. Almost no plot could move forward in Shakespeare without somebody yeah. mistaking somebody for being the other gender. That's, like, the whole there you go. thing. We'll be back for the final letter after a short break. So the final letter I asked you to write was to somebody who has had an effect on your life but wouldn't know. Yeah. This is... uh, Does everyone say this is the one they find the hardest? Yeah, people do find mm. this quite hard. Yeah, I, I was really. A lot really of people go for brain. teachers because that's like you know, like they see so many people they wouldn't know. See, that's interesting. Yeah, I could have. I almost went for a teacher, but ultimately, oh, I've got a complicated history with like academia and always feeling like I was never living up to my potential. So I had a really had difficult relationships with teachers, even though some of them were supportive. Some of them were really not supportive. Like I used to get accused of plagiarism because my English essays were sort of, you know, good. too impressive. And yeah, and I'd written <laughs> them at the last minute. So surely they couldn't be that good. But I was just good at having ideas and terrible at every other aspect of <laughs> academia and studying. So I sort of, yeah, I just got through. And, and I'm sure that's a really common experience. And I since, you know, like everyone and their dog have been diagnosed with ADHD. But when I do look back on my childhood and, and school career and university career it makes a hell of a lot of sense and I do think that the reason that was missed when I was little was because I was assigned female at birth mm-hmm. and being raised as a girl so you know that's kind of interesting so yeah complicated history with teachers so I didn't nominate a teacher but I kind of this is adjacent in a way I suppose I, I, <laughs> I picked Hanya Yanagihara that's, quite, that's a big name uh, yeah it is do, are you familiar no. with her? so she wrote A Little Life oh yeah yeah have you read it I have no I'm not going to recommend it straight out in case you're feeling very strong and like you just want to read an extremely traumatising and difficult book, which when I read it, I did. That's exactly what I needed. And this is quite recently as well, so it kind of feels weird to pick this I'm person. I'm no stranger because... to terrible trauma. Well, so uh, not yeah. even personally, just other people's terrible trauma. Sure, okay, well... It's literally my bread and butter. So. Maybe, this is, maybe this is up your street then. Yeah. I mean, I, I read it at a weird moment where I just needed sort of extreme catharsis and yeah it's kind of difficult to talk about because it's so extreme and about this person that has this horrific life and I'm not going to sit here and say that I can identify with that but I think probably what a lot of people find when they do read the book is that it it has some truths in that have never been presented to you in such an honest and unflinching way so you know (laughs) not you know and it's it's a very uncomfortable read but it showed me something about what literature can be, I suppose, and what you know what you can write about from a um, like a marginalized perspective or a very difficult perspective, and yet it's still considered 
like valid and you're not going to be like mocked or discredited for like going there and sometimes as a trans person you cannot help but go there constantly mm. with your life experiences yeah. and you feel like you're too much all the time and it's and, and that's kind of stopped me in the past doing some things creatively because I just felt like it's too much kind of thing so basically <laughs> I just read this book quite recently and felt like it was the first time I'd ever read a book that kind of showed me what's possible and it showed me that actually some of the things that I've wanted to explore or do with my career or, or creatively you know like hell I could actually do that yeah. and you know so like thank you Hany Anagahara I've never met and you know <laughs> who I am but that's kind of it felt like a bit of a watershed moment for me and then on top of that the reason I was talking about teachers and stuff is because this also relates back to you know getting this kind of late diagnosis of ADHD basically spending my whole life having people say to me you know, you're a born writer. Haven't, why haven't you written a book yet? Oh, you could write about that. Could, and me, just that idea of having to sit down and write a book, making me feel physically sick and then feeling ashamed because I know I can't do it. People don't understand how my brain works. Like, you don't understand how difficult that would be for me. Now I've had this diagnosis and I'm on some medication that has completely transformed how I feel about that kind of thing. So also for the first time in my life, I feel like, do you know what? Maybe I could write that, sit down and write a book. That idea no longer horrifies me. Like, I'm, I'm able to keep on top of things so much better now than I did before I learned this about myself. How did you learn it about yourself? <laughs> I've not sort of explained this properly. I've talked about having this diagnosis, but and it's kind of cringe again, because, you know, as a trans man, you're like, well, the last thing I want to be doing is jumping on another fucking bandwagon. Sorry. <laughs> you can but, you swear, know, don't here worry. Here we are. Like, I guess I have ADHD as well. Um, so, you know, it's tricky to talk about. But basically... I went for an autism assessment yeah. because, for various reasons, including the fact that, you know, there is a high prevalence of autism or autistic spectrum disorder amongst trans people. Uh -huh. So a couple of people thought, you know, said to me, like, maybe you should, uh, it should be interesting. And I was like, yeah, I could see that maybe, like. And so I went along for this thing. It was really, really bizarre. Like, the questions I was asked felt like they were aimed at a kind of stereotypical autism type person who maybe is like a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> like, one of the questions was, what does a person's face look like when they're happy? <laughs> what do they do with their face? And I was just like, what are you supposed to be able to tell from me from these questions? Anyway, so, you know, didn't get diagnosed with autism, which I'm not surprised, especially given that experience. But he kind of threw me this curveball at the end. He was like, but actually, I, do, I think you should go for an ADHD assessment. And I'd never, ever considered that before in my life. What is that and assessment would, like? The assessment... I feel like I should maybe go for one of those. Well, ones. yeah, I mean, I was... I'm all up and down. <laughs> it's it is underdiagnosed like so because they used to, i think i'm not a doctor obviously but my understanding is that they used to think the adhd kind of wore off when you grew up oh right. so you know obviously it's underdiagnosed in women and yeah, girls yeah yeah yeah, and yeah by because... extension trans men and you know yeah, all sorts yeah, of people yeah. um non-binary people so there's that so it's not surprising in a way that there's lots of people now being diagnosed. Because the presentation isn't naughty. Yeah, exactly. So like all the things that I now can look back and be like, because I was assessed for dyslexia as a kid, mm -hmm. but I didn't have dyslexia. I was making careless mistakes because I had ADHD, mm -hmm. you know, but like no one thought about that back then. But now they recognise that it can persist into adulthood. That's why a lot of people are getting diagnosed Yeah, yeah. I just, I just seen a real like uptick in it of recently. Course, like, you yeah, know, yeah. amongst the population of my constituency, like lots of young children, like mm. sort of much more so than even when my kids were little and certainly didn't, it just didn't exist when I was a kid. Yeah. But I've just noticed in just in and around just adults mm. being identifying. Yeah. As, I think I think they say it's or being diagnosed. Not yeah. just saying I've got it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. No. It's it's um. I think they think it should be about eight percent of the population, and, oh, and right, in the okay. UK well, yeah. it's sort of nowhere near that. So like, yeah, it's just not yeah. surprising. And obviously, stuff's going to come with that, where there's, there might be an overdiagnosis in some ways. But you know, there was a piece on there's a panorama piece coming out about it. It's 
it's tricky, but it is for tricky. me, it makes a lot of sense, you know, and I think if it has an impact... is working. Exactly. If it then... has an impact on your daily life, which for me as a freelancer and as a single mm. parent, and actually all through my life for various reasons, including at university where I struggled so badly in ways that I could not talk about or describe to anyone, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is me and I'm so grateful because, yeah, now I can have an idea. I can, you know, read a book like that suddenly have my own idea out of nowhere which also has never happened before but and you know i'm sure it'll be nowhere near as good as a little life and it's not you know it's not at all similar but it's just given me that permission i suppose yeah. to imagine a story that you know otherwise probably i would have felt like this is too much that that kind of thing and and then to be like oh and actually now that i'm kind of in a place where i feel able to apply myself to work more readily I could actually fucking do it. But now I've said it out loud, obviously, you've I got won't to do, it. do it. No, well, you've got to do it. No. You've got to do I've it. I've committed the cardinal sin, sin. of, of yeah. Uh, yeah, making a public commitment to I mean, I've got, I've got literally got a contract that I'm currently not doing. So, you <laughs> oh, know, I've yeah. committed the cardinal sin of taking an advance. Oh, yeah, that's the next bit. That's the... <laughs> and then spending it. But that means you must have written a few thousand words to get that... Uh... I mean, I've written lots of books. For, uh... oh, oh, of course you have. I did know that. There you go. Uh, so... Uh, it'll get done. Sure. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be careful what you commit to. Yeah. Well, there you advice. go. This is, a, this is a brave new world for me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The impetus not to pay money back is definitely like yeah. to rip the tiles up from my kitchen <laughs> oh, and God. try and resell. But also, doing work that you've already been paid for is really hard. I mean, yeah. whoever thought that was a good idea? Terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. I need the, like, you know, your children are going to starve. Yeah, motivation. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I need in order oh, to do work. God. But it's funny that you say that you, you felt like you needed permission. Mm. Because I think that's quite gendered, though. Mm. I have to say, I think people are conditioned to feel like they need to be given permission, especially people who've been marginalised in some way. Yeah. Like, you have to wait till somebody can say, oh, yeah. you should be able to do this. And with regard to the diagnosis of things, I think that it is tricky yeah. when I think about people who've suffered trauma mm. and upset in their life. I think sometimes we need to deal with the upset and the trauma in their lives mm. rather than like all women who've been raped get told that they have a borderline personality yeah, disorder. Yeah, Literally. Yeah. I've been reading a lot I've been hearing about like there's a guy I follow on Instagram, <laughs> classic precursor to any meaningless <laughs> anecdote. But who is um autistic and a and a psychologist talking about how BPD is an incredibly gendered and uh, stigmatized diagnosis Terrible. that is often almost if not almost always misapplied, um which is really interesting. I don't know much about it, but yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, in my yeah. experience, yeah. what I don't want is sort of ADHD mm. diagnosis to become... It's a bit like we have mental health conversations all the mm. time now and we're all fine about talking about... You and I both said that we are medicated mm. all throughout this conversation for some form of... Me like, yeah. it's a worrying fig leaf, in my view, mm. to... Like, when everyone can talk about it, we stop focusing on the fact that services are total shit. And yeah. Like yeah. so, I, like, I take anti-anxiety medication, but and I, but I but I'm not in therapy because I can't afford it, and there's no therapy on the NHS. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's like, I that's not great. Yeah. I, I, but I'm not going to stop taking the medication because that's it's great, and I'm really glad. Oh, that I love the medication. Well. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Absolutely. I'm also it's I'm not anti-meds. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am not anti. But I'm totally no. pro-meds. But mm. why I'm anti is the idea that giving people like the name of like you're depressed or you're like mm. is. is 
it's much better than it was when I was a kid. But what yeah. I'm worried of that it becomes a total fig leaf for policymakers to then just be like, isn't it great that we can all talk about this and have a, like an awareness of it? Yeah. It's like, well, awareness is great until you know well, you've got a kid with suicide ideation and you're waiting two and a half years for an yeah. assessment. And you're talking, you know, as a trans person, I'm well aware that awareness is a what is the it's word double edged sword yeah. and a fig leaf and absolutely you know we don't want awareness we don't want visibility just want we your want fucking life and yeah we just want, want to crack lives. on absolutely we want to have, be able to have families and, but just a quick one interesting what you say about you know the permission mm. I guess what I meant is more not that I needed permission for me it was just really about seeing a writer of any kind just go to some really dark yeah. weird places so like say that that you yeah. can do that yeah. without and that's like yeah, a legitimate sort of creative pursuit. But yeah, in terms of like, I mean, I clearly don't have any problem putting my own voice out there. So yeah, I don't think <laughs> I needed permission, but I was just like, oh, but I can be really dark and weird as well. Cool. Let's try that. Yeah, Let's yeah. try that instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I would like to be really twisted. I'm not sure mm. I've got permission for that yet. It's, One day, when I'm no go. longer an elected official, I think maybe. Yeah, yeah, save it, save it save for that, because then you can it. really go, go and totally be like, twisted. Oh my god, is she okay? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want people to be like. Someone needs to do an intervention. Yeah. So, how would you sign off your letter? Oh, okay. So this one was. <laughs> Thank you for inspiring this foolhardy promise to my future self. Don't worry, the pressure is all on me. Yours sincerely, Freddie. <laughs> Well, Freddie, it's been a total pleasure to chat with you. Mm, uh, likewise. It's always, I mean, it's always nice to chat. Thank you for your honesty <laughs> uh, and your lovely... Uh, I feel like I want to hang out with your nanny Anne. Yeah. She come seems down. like, yeah, come, come down, down to, to Trendy Kent. Deal. Yeah, yeah. Trendy Deal. I have literally <laughs> never been to Trendy Deal. Uh, oh, you will eventually. Someone uh, will arrange a weekend. And has it got, like, you know, man buns is what I'm expecting of anywhere um, that's trendy. Buns. Um, lots of small, chew out dogs. Small yes, dogs. funnily enough, my friend went there recently and they said the dogs as far as the eye can see. Yeah, I, mean, um, I, have, some, I have some gay friends that moved down in that classic way and apparently only realised what Deal was like. And that it's, you know, very gay, very sort of welcoming mixed town. But they only looked out the window. And was like, God, there's a lot of small dogs on the seafront. <laughs> and <laughs> then the penny dogs. drops. It's like, yeah. oh, yes, we may not be the only so gays in the village. Where no. I live has, I don't know who's collected this data, but where I live in Birmingham has one of the highest populations of lesbians. And my husband is always like, you could tell because we have three different cat clubs. <laughs> cat clubs. Wow, I've never even heard of a cat club. That's amazing. Three different wow. cat-related clubs. There you so go. He's like that. That should have been the clue. <laughs> <laughs> Always look at the animals. See, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. animals. Yeah, yeah. The stereotyped animals. <laughs> we'll probably be cancelled for saying all of this, oh but God, we'll absolutely. be fine. Absolutely. Who cares? We can okay. point to the data. Yeah, it's there. It's, it's there. there. The, the data is there. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you click the follow button now on the app where you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. This has been an Audio Always original. Goodbye. <laughs>